Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, thank you all for being here, and welcome to everybody who's online. Thank you for coming to Faith Family Church, where you will know what life in Christ is all about. Praise God. All righty. Well, let's, uh, let's look at our scripture, 2 Chronicles 5.13. says, And it came to, even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. And then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. You guys repeat after me. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, we come before you this morning. We are so thankful. We praise you for this building. We praise you for this town. We praise you for this state. We praise you for this country. Father God, we praise you for everything you've put into our hands. Father God, you have called us to do mighty works, Lord, and we will do them by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks for you have empowered us to do all things. We glorify you and we praise you this morning. We thank you so much that you give us utterance. You give us hearing, Father God. You give us reception. You give us interpretation, Father God. You deliver to us all that we need, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So, I want to go to Psalms 100 and verse 4. And it says... Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. You know, that's one of the things when I was reading that scripture in Second Chronicles, how the glory came into the room. They were praising and they were thanking him. They were thankful people. And they said, be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. Um, when I was going down the path for this, this last Sunday, one of the things I was looking at was thankfulness and healing. But the Lord took me to thankfulness and faith. Because faith and thankfulness go hand in hand. You really can't have one without the other. You really can't be in faith and not be thankful to the Father who gave you faith. And you can't work your faith if you're not thankful for him that gave you the power to believe in the faith that he gave you. So, as I was looking at this, I had a book that I'm reading called, um, or reading again, it's called At the Feet of the Rabbi Jesus. And it looks at some things in the Old Testament draws them forth to the New Testament. It's written by some, uh, some ladies that are Messianic Jews. And they did a really nice job with it. And when I get to that point, we're going to have some confessions. We're going to do good this morning. We're going to prepare the way for that cloud 
to come in. <laughs> I want to, you know, I just want to see that. I just want to see it come in. I just, you know, maybe I'm greedy. <laughs> but I do. I just, I just, and I know it's available to us. So the interesting thing about thankfulness is that there has to be a humbleness that goes with it. Now, if you remember the first week when I was saying that, that uh, Mike was going to go get me $100, and now because of inflation, it's 1000 you know, <laughs> you know, thankfulness, I had to humble myself to ask him, right? And then I had to humble myself to say thank you before I even received it. Because my faith in him, he says, I'll get it for you. My faith in him then is that he'll get it for me. Thank you, Mike. Do I have it in my hand? No, but by faith, it's here. And so I can go to the person that I owe the $1,000 to and I say, I've got it. He could say, where is it? It's on the way. You know, I could pull my pockets out and they'd be empty, but it's on the way. Now, the interesting thing I've, I've found over the years when it comes to things like healing, too often we wait until we're good and sick until we decide to talk to the Lord about it. You know, it, it's like when I was talking about Mike, about the money and whatnot. I wasn't looking in advance. I'm like, right now I need it, right? Well, he doesn't have it right now. He's got to go get it for me. Now, God has it for us, but because we have not been in that place of being thankful for all that he's done. You know, when you sit down and you think about, Father, I'm thankful for my healing. Yeah, but you're not sick. That's right. <laughs> There's the point there. I'm thankful that all my needs are met through your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you owe. I know. But. See, I try to put the promise on the right side of my butt. And that's the important thing to remember. You always got to remember that. You never want to say, well, I know the Lord heals, but I'm sick. I know the Lord heals, but we got this bad report. No, I got a bad report, but my God heals. So where's my faith at? I'm putting the promise out there. And I'm being thankful. Father, I'm so thankful that you heal us. Father, I'm so thankful that you meet all our needs through your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, every day that should be popping out of our mouth. You know, and especially, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but especially for people that own their own business. You know, if I go to work for somebody, I got a paycheck, right? So I'm counting on him to have money. He's the one that, I know I need to pray for him. But he's the one who has to go before the Father. Lord, I thank you for meeting all my needs and the needs of my employees through all your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then letting the jobs come. Being faithful to work through those jobs. Second Chronicles 7.14. This is one we all know. This is a scripture that we turn to quite often about the time we're in trouble. You know? If my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now our problem is we wait till we get what we've got in the government now. Oh God, heal our land. We wait until we're in the middle of a drought. Oh God, heal our land. We wait until the snow is 10 foot high and, oh God, heal our land. Why don't we say it now when things are good? 
Thank you, Father, for healing my land. Thank you, Father. I humble myself. I am so thankful to you, Father God, and I do seek your face. And I do turn from my wicked ways. And if you find anything in me, Father God, you're going to show it to me, and I'm going to turn. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to turn. See, that's humbleness. That's thanksgiving. Too often we wait until we're in the middle of a crisis, and then it wasn't that the promise wasn't there. It was always there, but we waited so long. I mean, if you think about, if you think, excuse me, if you think about the Israelites, they're up against the Red Sea, and they're screaming and crying, and what's going to happen? And Moses is like, ah, what am I going to do? And God says, why do you call out to me? Raise your rod and part the seas. Now understand what he said there. He didn't say, raise your rod and I will part the seas. He said, raise your rod and part the seas. Well, then the Jews went across and they're all happy, right? We talked about this, I believe it was last week. The weeks kind of run together, you know. <laughs> but how that they would get across and they'd be so happy. Wow, look at this, we're great. And what I sense when I listen to that first generation of Israelites that were going to the promised land, I get this sense of grumbling. Because they were so quick, Moses were starving. Moses were thirsty. Moses, all the way across. They're always in that place of being ungrateful. So when they did get water, they drank of it, and when they went on, they started getting thirsty again instead of looking back and saying, Father God, you are the one who provided water in the desert back here, and I know you're going to provide water here. Moses, where's the water? Hit that rock. And there was an ungratefulness all the way through. So when they got to the promised land and the spies came back with the evil report, did they remember what God said? I will give you a land full of milk and honey, and you will overtake it. You will take the walled cities. I don't know. Somebody said there's giants in there. You know, we're facing giants every day. You know, we don't have the Amalek, but what we have is we have disease, we have debt, we have government corruption, we have, you know, you can name it. We have these things, but how are we approaching this? I find that, well, there's a, there's a lot of people who come to that place and they say, well, we need to pray for the falling down of the government so we get, you know, get the right people in there. Do you vote? Oh, no, God will put in whoever he wants. I mean, we've heard that, right? No, this is, the, this is the way the Lord set this up through our government. He set it up through men who sought God, who looked at the Bible, and said this is a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. It's a Republican, it's a Repu yeah, Republican, no, it's a Republic, if you can keep it. So where is the pressure? Oh no, God will put in whoever he wants. If we're listening, maybe he would put in whoever he wants. Right? How much of the church votes? Am I getting political? <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I, I forget the numbers, but I, I think that probably they said like 10, 15% of the evangelical church votes. 
You understand if we all got together, heard from the Holy Ghost and voted, there'd be no force in this country that could overdo it? It couldn't. It couldn't. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans 4.19. So, in, in the Old Testament, Abraham was, uh, God cut covenant with Abraham. And God got the covenant by himself. With the Holy Ghost, you remember it talks about the torch and the smoking furnace going through there. The Holy Ghost and Jesus walking through that. Abraham just had to step back and watch. But that covenant was cut for him. And he understood covenant. So, in Romans 4, 19 through 22, it says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God, but he grew and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was credited to him, his righteousness, as right standing with God. He was praising God before he had the kid. He was praising God from the moment of that covenant that he knew. Because covenant was so important. You know, most of us in here don't remember when a person could shake a hand and that was a covenant. A lot of us may remember when a contract was one or two pages. You know, I remember um, Luann had to go down to Arizona to be with her folks. Um, I think her dad had fallen ill at that time. And we were just refinancing our house. And so... I had to get power of attorney from her so I could sign her name. So she was down there and we had all these papers they kept pushing across from me. So I had to sign my name once and then I had to sign my name again and her name on every piece of paper. I finally got to this one piece of paper and I said, this is ridiculous. He says, yeah, well, this one will be even more so. And he hands it to me and I says, what's that? He says, you're signing this that you understand that we're going to make money on your money. Think about that. Why are they lending me money? So they can make money, right, on the interest. But apparently somewhere somebody had filed a lawsuit because they didn't understand that banks were there to make money. (laughs) Serious. So now there's another piece of paper that had to be signed to say that I understood that they were going to make money with my money. So those contracts now are almost as thick as this Bible. When they used to be a handshake and they used to be one or two pages because we're not faithful. You know, sometimes we try to argue with God and he says, I got the contract, boys. It's right here. Just read it. You will see rights 
you will see responsibilities. You will see benefits, and you will see issues if you don't keep the contract. You'll see that in here. I know there was, a, I think I've mentioned this once before, there was a lawyer in full gospel businessmen many years ago that he was a world famous international lawyer. And somebody handed him a Bible because he was poo-pooing it. And they said, well, I ask you to just read this Bible. Just read it and see what it says to you. And he became a Christian because he read in this Bible what he saw as the most ironclad contract he's ever seen in his life. Ironclad. Father God, I give you thanks that we have an ironclad covenant with you, sealed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. So we need to give glory and praise to God now while things are good with you. Okay? You know, things are pretty good here in Montana. They are. If you consider what's going on in the bigger cities, what's going on in, in the states that are like defend, defunding police and the states that are doing things like that, Montana's pretty, pretty calm, pretty relaxed. Pray. Seek his face. Ask him to heal our land because people are coming here from all these places and they're bringing with them some ideas. They may want the conservative lifestyle, but when they get here and find out we don't bus everybody everywhere and we don't sand our streets or plow our streets every time it gets an inch of snow, they're going to start wanting some things, right? We didn't have this in California. Well, this isn't California. Oh, yeah, well, we're going to, you know. So let's, let's be in this place of prayer now because then that gives us a ready, you know, a ready answer. Because somebody's going to come up to you and they're going to talk to you about it sometime. And you're going to say, yeah, but you know. And if we're praying about this ahead of time, we're seeking God ahead of time, he's going to put things in our heart to tell them to let them understand why things are the way they are. And that sounds a little political, but God dealt with kings. He dealt with them all. Praise God. So let's go over to James 1. James 1, verse 5. And it says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, and I'm doing these out of the Amplified, so it's a little more wordy. Let him ask of, of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, hesitates, or doubts is like the billowing surge out of a sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. <clears throat> Excuse me. For truly not let such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, 
or does. So what's all that about? Father, I thank you that you give me wisdom liberally and abundantly, that I have a ready answer at any good time. Father God, I do not doubt in my heart. Father God, I rely on you, and I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit within me that I am not uncertain, I am not wavering, I am not like a billowing sea, but Father God, I am steadfast on the rock of Jesus. See how you just pray that out? It starts to begin to settle in your heart. Praying the word of God. You know, Luann and I have been really digging into the Ephesian prayers. Just praying out that word of God. In the Ephesian prayers, it talks about revelation, the knowledge of him. Father, we just want revelation. I want revelation. I don't want to be in a place of wavering and doubting. And you know, the thing is, if I don't work on setting that now, when things are good, when the waves come, I start looking at the waves. You know, when, when the disciples were on the ocean or on the sea, and the wind came up and started stirring the waves, and you know what it says in the scripture, the waves were coming from every direction. Now, if you've ever been in a windstorm, the wind usually comes from one direction. But because of what the prince of the power of the air was trying to do, stir things up and kill Jesus out on the water. And they got panicky because they looked out here. Just like Peter got panicky when he looked at the waves instead of looking at Jesus. But the interesting thing is when Jesus got up, uh, Rick Renner says, you know, we always think about some mighty prayer he had, but what he said to the waves, to the wind, and not to the waves, what he said to the waves was, shh. You know why he did that? Because he had been fellowshipping with his father and he knew he was going to get to the other side. So he didn't have to come up with a great big prayer in the middle of the fight. The fight was already won back here. He just, when it came to the fight, he just says, you realize you can do that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you it dwells in me it quickens makes alive my mortal body that same power of the Holy Spirit is in me in the Ephesian prayers it talks about um, that power Gonna get down to it here. What is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places? That same power is in you. But do you believe it? Are you thankful for it? See, there's part of the problem. See, you. You can't be thankful for something you don't believe in. Now, see, if, if I asked Mike for that money, and he said, I'll get it for you, and I wasn't thankful, I'm like, uh, you know, and I brought it up. I was like, I said, hey, Herb or Fred, you got, you know, 100 bucks I could borrow. See, I, I'm double-minded. I've asked him. He says I could have it, but, well, I, I'm doubting. So, Fred, do you have it that I could... And then maybe you do or maybe you don't, but I've already 
moved my trust from the one who said I was going to have it. That power of Ephesians is in you to meet every need. It says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> but this is so important to understand. Over everything. You have power and dominion over everything. But you have to understand, you have to take it now so that when the stuff comes up, you can go, The Lord who meets my needs, who heals my body, healed me back here with Jesus. And though these symptoms rise up, they have no place in me. Though that bill comes up that I wasn't expecting, back here, my God provided all my needs through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus for today. I'm so thankful for that. We need to be in that place of thankfulness that he did that there so we can meet it now. Hallelujah. Let's go to James 4. I used to... I used to know where all the books of the Bible were, and then I, then I forgot. <laughs> of course, you know, when you're up here, it's all of a sudden they just kind of disappear on you. Praise God. Okay. James 4, verse 6 through 7. But he gives more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit, to meet this evil tendency and all others fully, that is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. But that's got to start back here. Understand the devil is not omniscient, omnipotent, or omnipowerful. He is a defeated foe who is under our feet. But back here, when, we're, when things are going good, we forget to be thankful. We forget, and we get a little haughty sometimes. We get a little proud in ourselves. Look how I took care of that, and look how I did this, and, you know, made that wise investment. We stop forgetting who gave us the idea for that wise investment who provided the skills that I have to do that thing, whatever it was. We forget those things. So then when something comes up in front of you, when a demon shows up in front of you, and I don't, I don't mean like, you know, he's just right here, but they're messing with your head, right? Where does the devil mess with you? He's called the penetrator. He penetrates up in here. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, that's all he has to work against you. Do you understand? He cannot put sickness on you. Now, there is sickness in the world because the law of sin and death is in the world. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in us. So he has freed us from the law of sin and death. 
but it's out here. So there are chances you're going to come up against a bug or something. But you know, if you don't, if you don't take care of it here when things are good, when something stands in front of you, all of a sudden you're scrambling, right? 9-11. We always remember that horrible day. Some were there at the time. It was awful. But you know, there was all sorts of things going on. But we, in our haughtiness, yeah, we won't check on that too much. We won't. 3,000 people died. Got us into another war. Hundreds of thousands have died. That's what happens when we don't take care of things back here. So when something shows up here, we're not saying, well, that's, hey, you guys, you know, something's a little fishy here. They were on the FBI's radar. They were. What's on your radar? What's on your radar? You know, the devil likes to put things on us like, well, you know, your family is prone to. What do you say? No, I'm in a new family. I'm in a new family. God is my father. Jesus is my brother. He's my advocate. He's my husband. He's taking care of me as his bride. He is the head. I am the body. In other words, he's telling me what to do and where to go by the spirit of the living God. Right? But if I don't establish that back here when things are good, when the stuff rises up in front of me, I'm going to be in a place of unease, panic, maybe, a little fear, anger. All those things that are not of God. Excuse me. Let's go to Hebrews 10. See, if I'm going to resist the devil, I've got to start doing it back here. Excuse me, before he's really in my face. I don't want to give him place. It says don't give place to the devil. How do I do that? If I get back here and I start being ungrateful, prideful, thinking I know it all, I'm going to do it my way. Then when it happens, how's my way working? Not so good. Oh, Lord, save me. Pull me out of this. Jesus was there and says, Peter, why did you doubt? <laughs> Hebrews 10.38. But the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and co-joined with it. And if he draws back, shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. That's where we start running into problems with our thankfulness. We start, bang, we're up against it now. And because I haven't been in this place of being humble and thankful and being convinced 
Now I'm up against it. It's in my face. You know, we all talk a good fight. You know, we all talk a good fight. And then one day it's in your face, and it's like, oh, maybe I can't take shame today. <laughs> I didn't have my Wheaties. <laughs> but these are the things that crop up. And America has got, not that it's probably any worse or any better than other countries, but it really is. We have this thing of this individualism, which I think is awesome. I mean, that's where we are individuals, right? We have this individualism. And we have this thing about I will, right? I will. We forget to say, if God wills, in other words, if he tells me that I should do this, no, I will do this. See, I started a company, I think I said this some time back, uh, an oil field company. Um, the warehouse I was working in at the time had closed. Uh, we were out of work, and I knew, I understood um, V-belts and hydraulics and hoses, and I could design drives for pumping units, and so I knew all this stuff. So we started a company. I got in front of a gentlemen with the Small Business Administration, they had some people that would give advice, right? I showed him my business plan, um, what I kind of had going, and he looked at it, he got back to me a couple, three days later, and he says, I don't think you should do this. Really? Well, my wife and I have prayed, so God's gonna bless us in this business. Well, I wish you the best. So we started the business. You cannot believe the deals I got. We'll give you credit out to here. We'll supply you what you need. We're looking for a foothold in this market. We'll do all this for you. Wow, this is, man, God must have really blessed this. This is awesome. If I'd have been paying attention to what the Holy Ghost was really trying to tell me, he I would have heard him say, you understand the oil market's going to crash in six months. In which case, I would not have gotten into that business. But God was going to bless me, so I will take the knowledge I have and the wisdom I have and the things that I've been trained to do, and I will make it a success. Yeah, we, we did not declare bankruptcy, praise God, but we had to eat crow. Borrowed money from some relatives. I had to go back to them. I, you know, it's, it's great to humble yourself back here and listen to the Lord, but when you have to humble yourself before people and say, you know, I was wrong. I should never have done that. I just... I had forgot that you know, when you declare the promises of God somewhere back here, you have got to understand what they are and how he brings you through them. Right? Nobody really starts a business just going out there and just start it. They always have to come up through some trials, some training. They have to come up and do some things, get their hands on it. 
Well, praise God, he got me out of it. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, our kids were becoming latchkey kids. Luann was there. She was handling the office phones while I was out trying to make cold calls. Cold calls, I hate them. Hi, my name is Rick. And you're selling yourself. I mean, I, I have this wisdom. I have this understanding. I can help your business. You know, we don't like you. We don't like your business. <laughs> but Luann was at the office because I needed somebody to field calls. This was before how we could pack our, our life in our hip pocket, which reminds me. Yep. <laughs> but then we used to pack our, our lives, we pack our lives in our hip pocket. Back then, if you had a cell phone, you only had X number of minutes. It was local, unless it was cell phone to cell phone. So I needed somebody. Well, our kids are latchkey kids. Well, now we have to make a decision. She said, this isn't right. And it wasn't right. So she went back to taking care of the kids, and the business folded. Thank God he brought us out of it. He got us into a better place. And we're thankful. But I have, since then, I have learned back here when things are good, praise God. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, C.H. Spurgeon said one time, if we complained less and were more thankful, we would be happier and God would be more glorified. Isn't that what we're here for? To glorify God? No matter what you do, I don't care what your business is, I don't care if you're retired, I don't care who you work for. We're here to glorify God because he's the one we truly, truly work for. See, I retired back in 2009. But that, I did not retire from the gospel. Now, there are a lot of people who have retired from the gospel. I'm going to go out and I'm going to travel and I'm going to make these wise investments and I'm going to... Doesn't it remind you something what that uh, rich farmer said? Self, we've enjoyed all these great pleasures. I think I'm going to big, big build bigger barns and store my grain and I will say, Self, you have done all these good things. Let's relax. Fool, why do we have what we have? I mean, if you ever sit down and think about it, why do you have what you have? To glorify God. There was, um, there's something I read um, some time ago. Uh, it was uh, Miles Monroe wrote it. And he said, he said, in the days of kings, other kings would come in and see how he took care of his people and would ascribe honor to that king by what he saw them doing to or doing for his people. Our God, king of the universe, is our king. How are we presenting him to the world? Are we thankful? Are we humble? Are we obedient? 
Do we speak his promises as if they were true? Or do we just speak them? What are you doing now while things are good to prepare for things that aren't good? And you say, well, how can you say that? That's not a faith statement. Yes, it certainly is. Because in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. We would be happier, and God would be glorified. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to glorify the Father. And he, in turn, blesses us. You know, honestly, we don't have to live in $10 billion mansions or anything, but we really should be living better than the rest of the world. And one of the main reasons is to show his glory, but the other reason is to give into his work and that people look at us and they say, there is something different why are their bills paid? Why this? Why that? And then they come and they ask questions. What does that allow for? A testimony of the grace of our Lord and without saying it, of our humbleness and thankfulness for working through our lives. So, in Deuteronomy 28, this wasn't in my notes, but the Lord kind of brought this to me. Excuse me, in Deuteronomy 28, there is a place in here from verse 15 to verse 61 where he talks about the curses of disobedience. I don't like to get into those things, but the reason they're there is because of the sin that's in the world, okay? And verse 15 starts with this word that says, but. So up to verse 14, he's telling you all the good, right? Then he says, but. Conditional. But if... If you don't hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. See, if I, if I can't listen to him here when things are good and quiet and I can have that peaceful time before the Lord, how in the world am I going to hear him in the tempest? How in the world am I going to... Jesus heard from him here, so when the tempest came, he just said, shh. But verse 61 says, after it's gone over all these things of the diseases of Egypt, he says, and also every sickness and every affliction which is not written in the book of law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. And I'm like, whoa, that's horrible. But you know what? We have an advocate. (laughs) These things do not befall us Because we operate under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When these things try to come on us, and they do, okay? Flu season's here, 
you know, everybody, oh, you got to be careful, you might catch the flu, oh, the COVID, oh, you know, all this stuff. I have an advocate. I have a healer. I have a God who heals me through the blood and the stripes of his son, Jesus. So when I look at that, and people might say, well, you know, I've got this. Yeah, but it doesn't have you. Come on, who's your healer? I don't have enough money. Who's your provider? Mike is not my provider, but God would use him to give money to me if I needed it. He could use any of us. He could use me to give money to you if he needed it. That's how he does things. He told Moses to raise his rod and part the waters. He did not go down there and part the waters and say, hurry up, get across. You do it. Moses, you strike the rock. You lay hands on the sick. But you better be believing for it back here when it's quiet and you're in your quiet time with the Father. Because when that sick person comes up to you, you can't be in that place going, oh, Lord, what am I going to do now? I'm almost out of time, but I want to get us through this. Please repeat after me. These are some Messianic Jewish prayers that I believe are so good. Blessed are you, O Lord, who accepts repentance. Blessed are you, O Lord, who heals the sick. Blessed are you, O Lord, who blesses the years. Blessed are you, O Lord, for your name is good and it is right to give you thanks. If you see rain coming down, blessed are you, O Lord, for who gives good things. If you hear the thunder, blessed are you, O Lord my God, whose strength and power fill the world. See, these these confessions, they build you up. If you see the lightning, blessed are you, O Lord my God, who made all that is created. When you see the rainbow, bless him and thank him that he is a covenant-loving, keeping God. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you. And Father God, we do praise you. In this quiet time that we have, Father God, we're before you humbly thanking you, Lord, and giving you praise for you have given us all things. You have met all our needs through your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's not one thing that is missing. There's not one of these diseases that comes upon us because your son took those stripes for our healing. We praise you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, as we go forth today. We go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost. Father God, speaking the word, Jesus, forth out of our mouth. Loving you, Father God, and blessing you. Being thankful for every good thing that you've done. We just give you praise this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.